We are incredibly grateful to each and every one of them. Tonight on Global News Hour, the arrival of dozens of firefighters from Brazil as BC tries to get the upper hand on the wildfire fight. And then. We have had some significant safety concerns in the last week with drones. The plea to the public to keep drones away from active wildfires in the province. Plus. On the run, a U.S. man now in custody after illegally crossing into Canada and crashing a stolen vehicle. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thanks for joining us. BC's record-breaking wildfire season got a boost today as more international firefighters arrived to help local crews struggling amid drought and intense heat. As the amount of scorched earth grows in our province, 250 people remain on evacuation order, while more than 3,300 must be ready to flee their homes at a moment's notice. Kristen Robinson reports. How are you? I'm good. I got horses in here. I got moving them out. Moving them out. An exodus south of Kamloops, where some four dozen properties are on evacuation order. More than 300 others under evacuation alert due to the growing Ross Moore Lake wildfire. We got to evacuate. The lightning caused wildfire of note burning out of control on 1,800 hectares. The road blocked off near Edith Lake. Determined to save their homes, some evacuees say they won't be gone for long. I'm going to drop the trailer off and then I'll probably come back and keep soaking things up there. It's still a ways away. Some relief for crews on the front lines arrived in Abbotsford Sunday. 100 wildfire fighters from Brazil joining more than 600 out-of-province firefighters already assisting 2,000 BC wildfire personnel. We're very excited to have the guys. The Brazilians will be deployed to the Prince George Wildfire Center in northeast BC, home to the vast majority of the record 1.48 million hectares burned so far. In terms of hectares burnt, uh, we're well past our, our uh, worst season ever. Among the more than 20 wildfires of note, the 4,000-hectare St. Mary's River fire near Cranbrook, which has destroyed at least seven homes, nearly 70 properties on evacuation order, close to 700 on alert, and the lightning-caused Casper Creek wildfire burning on 2,000 hectares west of Lillooet. An expanded evacuation order includes Seton Portage, and the Shalaf First Nation. Extreme drought challenging crews on the ground. The fires become very embedded into the fuel. So it's not just the surface fire. It's not easy to put out. And it takes a lot of physical toil and labor to dig down with hand tools and, and really get the fire out. So this is not easy work to do at any time, but certainly when it's very hot and dry out there, it makes it more challenging. Lightning also a major concern as fire season shifts to the south where it's been hot and dry. We've always got an escape route out here, and I'm just going to keep putting water on it until I can see something, and then I'll leave when the, when the leaving's good still. Kristen Robinson, Global News. So will the rain in the forecast this week help out firefighters? Here's Steph Florian with more on that. Steph? 
Thanks, Julia. Well, we do have a temporary fix. We've got widespread rain and drop in temperatures coming. And with these drought levels out of five and four for the lower mainland, as well as the entire south coast, we are going to be welcoming this rain that's coming in and moving in on your Monday tomorrow. So the northern half of the province has seen an improvement. We're now in that low to moderate zone in the yellow and green. And here we go. This rain is pushing in through the evening tonight. Vancouver Island up the Sunshine Coast, Sea to Sky Corridor. We're going to be seeing some heavier rain in pockets. The potential for some thunder showers as well on the way. So it is a temporary fix, but we'll take what we can get. Back to you. Sure will. Thank you so much, Steph. Well, as this province struggles to deal with one of the worst fire seasons in its history, the BC Welfare Service is once again reminding the public that flying drones near active wildfires is prohibited. As Jaden Wozniak reports, there are serious consequences for those caught in the act. Keep your drone on the ground and let us do our work to protect you and our co-workers. The message doesn't seem to be getting across. This isn't the first time this summer that BC Wildfire Service has issued a public plea asking people to stop flying drones near active fire zones. On Friday, another unmanned aerial vehicle was spotted in dangerous proximity to a crew and helicopter responding to a fire in the Penticton fire zone. Certainly something that we're frustrated with, to be honest. Uh, we take it very seriously and it's absolutely slowing down our efforts. And um, not only that, but more importantly, putting our crews and our staff at high risk. According to the federal Canadian aviation regulations, flying a drone near an active wildfire is prohibited, as all wildfires are considered to be automatically flight restricted. Anytime we have a fire, uh, it is illegal to fly any aircraft, including drones, UAVs, uh, within five nautical miles around that fire. As soon as that fire starts, five nautical miles of no fly. If a drone is spotted near a wildfire, it can completely halt aerial firefighting efforts, and the impacts of that can be catastrophic. If we ground our air fleet, we not only can't fight fire, but our air fleet are what we count on for our safety medevac procedures for our crews. So sometimes, not only do we have to stop fighting the fire from the air, but we also have to stop fighting the fire from the ground. If you're caught flying a drone in B.C. near an active wildfire, you could face up to $100,000 in fines or be jailed for up to 18 months. Jaden Wozni, Global News, Kelowna. It's now day five of the Amber Alert for a missing sister and brother from Surrey. RCMP say they are still following up on tips, including possible sightings in various areas in and around the interior. There's still no sign of eight-year-old Aurora Bolton and 10-year-old Joshua. RCMP believe the children are with their mother, Verity Bolton, and two men, Verity's boyfriend, Ambraxas Glazov, who is 53 years old, and her father, 74-year-old Robert Bolton. Police say they may be traveling in a dark blue 2012 Dodge Ram 2500 pickup truck pulling one of three trailers. The children were supposed to be returned to their father on July 17th after a vacation in the Okanagan with their mother. If you see them, call 911 or if you have any information on their whereabouts, contact the dedicated tip line or email address. There are renewed warnings to stay safe during this current heat wave, including when keeping cool at local waterways. A teenage boy is in hospital this weekend after nearly drowning while out at Sassamat Lake. Travis Prasad reports. White Pine Beach is always a popular choice for beating the heat, but on Saturday, this busy beach was cleared out as a serious medical emergency unfolded in the water. Around 4 p.m., Port Moody police and fire, along with BC Ambulance, attended Sassamat Lake for reports of a possible drowning. 
With the help of bystanders, Metro Vancouver Park staff pulled a 14-year-old boy from the water. He was unresponsive. They performed CPR until first responders arrived and began treating him. The decision was made to call in an air ambulance. The packed beach was temporarily evacuated so the helicopter could land safely. The boy was flown to hospital in critical condition. There are no lifeguards on duty at White Pine. And while at this point the circumstances of the near drowning are unclear, water safety advocates say swimming children must be supervised at all times and anyone cooling off in the open water, be it the lake, river or ocean, needs to understand the potentially deadly risks. Just because it's a beautiful sunny day doesn't mean that there aren't underlying dangers such as currents, riptides, different obstacles that might trip you up when you're swimming. So it's really important to make sure that we're looking out for each other when we swim. As of Sunday morning, Port Moody police say the boy remains in hospital, his condition critical. Hundreds of people witnessed this ordeal unfold. Anyone who may be impacted by it is urged to contact Port Moody Police's Victim Services Unit. Travis Prasad, Global News. A flight out of YVR was cut short this weekend after a mechanical issue forced an emergency landing. Sparks and smoke flew from the Isquio air flight as it touched back down in Vancouver shortly after takeoff yesterday afternoon. Officials say the plan, plane landed safely, but the emergency landing forced a temporary closure of the north runway. YVR emergency responders deplaned the passengers and crew. Everyone is safe and the runway was reopened soon after. A man accused of trying to get away from police in the U.S. allegedly crossed the border illegally and crashing a car in Surrey. The crash happened on Highway 99 just south of 24th Avenue shortly after 8 o'clock last night. RCMP say the driver failed to stop at the primary inspection booth at the Peace Arch border crossing after failing to stop for police in Washington state. The silver Hyundai SUV rolled multiple times and caught fire. The driver extricated himself from the vehicle but was taken into custody after a brief altercation with police including officers deploying a taser once he was checked over in hospital he was later released to u.s law enforcement washington state troopers say the hyundai was stolen out of seattle with one 911 caller saying the vehicle was involved in near collisions a 21 year old driver from irvine california is now awaiting charges of theft of a motor vehicle and attempting to elude law enforcement in washington Upgrades to a rough and dangerous section of road connecting Port Alberni and Bamfield on Vancouver Island are now underway. The Bamfield Road Reconciliation Project is a partnership between the Huayat First Nations and the provincial government to make the roads safer. Upgrades include chip sealing, widening some sections, installing culverts and adding steel guardrails. The 76-kilometer stretch has seen many crashes over the years, including a bus crash that claimed the lives of two University of Victoria students in 2019. People are excited for the benefits of the road improvement, but they're also cautious in regards to the changes that might be brought because of the increased traffic. So it's definitely a balancing act, but it is something that we see as ultimately a net benefit for not only our community, but the region as a whole. Chief Jack says road improvements could also be the foundation for an alternate route to Highway 4 to link the Alberni Valley to the rest of Vancouver Island. Seal coating of the road began this weekend between kilometers 36 and 76. It's expected to be completed by September.
Coming up on Global News Hour, an impressive light show last night, the day after the celebration of lights and cleanup when Team Australian wowed the crowds. And later, Swifties on the move as the Jays visit the Mariners. More on the sheer number of Canadians flocking to both. Stay with us. Good evening from Global One. We are high above uh, Highway 99 to the 17A overpass, and the westbound lanes are completely shut down because of a truck hitting it earlier this week. Like, that never happens in Vancouver. That is going to be shut down for quite some time. If you want to get into Ladner from 99 north, you're going to have to use Ladner Trunk Road because you will not be able to use this road. Introducing the new Baskin-Robbins Ultimate Take-Home Sunday. Five layers of indulgence, three great flavors, one great price. $9.99, available in the freezer section at Baskin-Robbins. High above the Massey Tunnel at 99. In Global One, I'm Brad Russell. Is grieving after a tragic accident claimed the life of their daughter. Last week, Ryan Fisher tried to save his stepdaughter, who fell to her death while hiking near Revelstoke. Fisher was found at the bottom of the waterfall, about 20 meters from where the accident happened. He suffered countless injuries, but is expected to recover. Our report is from CFJC News. He'd give you the shirt off his back in a snowstorm. And, uh, and not think twice about it. Friends of Ryan Fisher say the only thing he's more passionate about than photography is his daughter's. And no one was surprised to hear that he risked his own life to save a family member. Uh, he'd be the first one jumping if there's a group of 10 and he would be the one in the front of the crowd. Ryan isn't a public person when it comes to himself, but when it comes to people on people and stuff like she said, he tries to be all burly and gruff, but he's got the biggest heart you'll ever meet. His teenage stepdaughter, who fell into the falls, did not survive. Ryan was spotted by search and rescue crews and taken to the hospital for treatment. He um, has multiple fractures. His spine, he has a vertebrae fracture. He has a punctured lung, broken ribs. Um, he has staples in his head. Um, broken foot. A broken foot. He has, has a lot of injuries that is going to, they're going to keep him in the hospital for a while. In addition to his physical injuries, Ryan is suffering from a great deal of emotional trauma. He's having nightmares too. So, I mean, yeah, we can talk about the physical part of it, but there's a lot of mental things going on as well, right? It's pretty hardcore stuff to think about your daughter, stepdaughter going down. So, yeah, and I think the, the biggest injury he has is, is a broken heart. His daughters were special to him, and Peyton had just arrived here in Kamloops for a two-week visit, and Ryan was really excited. The organizers hope to raise $40,000 to help Ryan through recovery and pay his bills while off of work. Well, it would mean that he wouldn't have to worry over the next few months while he and the family start to heal. And... Um, and just like I said earlier, create that buffer so that he doesn't have to worry or try to get back to work too soon. Sydney Chisholm, CFJC News. Tens of thousands of people jamming the beaches around English Bay last night on the first night of the 31st annual Celebration of Light. There's no official estimate on the size of last night's crowd that gathered to watch Team Australia kick off the first of three nights of fireworks this week. Vancouver Police, which deployed additional officers throughout the city, say they dealt with some minor conflicts but no major problems during or after the show. 
And on the morning after, city maintenance workers were busy cleaning up the beaches, clearing away all the garbage left behind by the huge crowd. Before the sun peered through, at least one person was spotted using a metal detector to try to find any valuables in and amongst the trash and the sand. Team Mexico takes on the two takes rather to the skies on Wednesday and Team Philippines wraps it up on Saturday night. Young men and women escaping the heat to go indoors and all for a good cause. The second annual Ronan Sharma Memorial Tournament being held this weekend at the Surrey Sport and Leisure Complex. It's in honor of Sharma, who was killed when he was just 16 years old in a vehicle with two teammates in August 2021. They were all killed when their Ford Focus went off the road and into a tree in the Fraser Heights neighborhood. Even now, any of, any of us go anywhere, we wear our shirts, someone will come up to us and say they knew Ronan, or we played hockey with Ronan, or he refed our kids' games, or he taught our kids. So, and the fact that we put these tournaments on, but it wouldn't be successful unless we had so many people come out, support, donate, all that. Scholarships for anybody who uh, is looking to further their education, they can apply online on our website, and based on however many applicants we get, we'll pick winners off that. Money raised in the tournament will also go to help children play sports, even if they don't have the means to do so. Still to come on the news hour, the latest on the floods in Nova Scotia. After the rainfall records there, that province looks to the feds for help. More on that when we return. Plus, keeping families together in the shadows of war in Ukraine, how a new Canadian residency program is helping. Stay with us. Good evening from Global One. We're high above Highway 17 and between the Tilbury Connector or 80th Street and the Alex Fraser Bridge and the 91 Connector, they've got the westbound lanes completely torn up using the eastbound lanes for east and west and it's going to be a couple of more days before they get this fixed up so that will be an issue for tomorrow morning's commute. Introducing the new Baskin and Robbins Ultimate Take Home Sunday. Five layers of indulgent, three great flavors, one great price. $9.99 available in the freezer section at Baskin and Robbins. High above Highway 17 in Global One, I'm Brad Russell. Nova Scotia, the search continues for four missing people after their vehicles were submerged by floodwaters early Saturday morning. RCMP say two children, one youth and a man are still unaccounted for in a county region about 45 minutes outside of Halifax. Last night, an underwater search located a red pickup truck the children are believed to have been traveling in. No one was inside. Crews are still searching the area, hoping to find all four people. And in an attempt to lower water levels, pumping equipment has now been mobilized. To the families, you, you have an entire province praying for your loved one's safe return. Um, I know um, to, to Nova Scotians, I know so many of you want to help. Um, it's the Boonoser way. Um, but again, um, given the treacherous conditions, the RCMP continues to ask people to stay away from the area. Nova Scotia Premier Tim Houston says hundreds of people remain evacuated and the province has submitted a request for federal assistance. Callum Smith reports. It's up in the Joyce's, up here, about this high up. You can see the mark here, and that's about two inches from my floor. That's how high the water was in Gary Hutchins' basement. The 79 Brooklyn, Nova Scotia native is now stuck trying to deal with the mess. And this stuff, well, you know, I gather up all your life, right? My water pump shot, hot water tank's done, 
water softener's done, washer dryer's done, that freezer full of food's done. Furnace is done. Well, I'd say the furnace is done. He's not alone. Homes like this one, battered by the storm. While heavy rainfall was predicted, no one expected this. More than 250 millimeters of rain in some areas in less than 24 hours. The Joint Rescue Coordination Center sharing this video of crews working in the worst elements in the name of public safety. That's something ground search and rescue crews are up against, too. We've been doing uh, wellness checks, uh, evacuations of river valleys, and uh, flood watch, and now we're involved in uh, an active search for missing individuals. One of the biggest challenges for crews ahead in the days and weeks is rebuilding infrastructure, like this bridge that has washed out behind me on the Evangeline Trail. On the infrastructure side, Premier Tim Houston saying Sunday afternoon that 25 bridges have been compromised, six destroyed, only realizing some of the storm's impacts. After touring some of the impacted areas uh, last night and again this afternoon, uh, all I can really say is, is thank you, thank you, thank you to our incredible first responders. Um, they're taking uh, very heroic measures and, and they're entering into dangerous situations to keep, to keep us safe. Meanwhile in Bedford, cars remain submerged after the local mall took a beating. Sunday, cleanup efforts were underway with water levels receding. But back in Hans County, that challenge is just beginning. You're just discouraged. It's just one piece at a time. Well, I've seen it all on TV before, but I never thought it happened to me. A daunting task ahead as people try to rebuild and repair. Callum Smith, Global News, Brooklyn, Nova Scotia. Israeli Prime Minister ben Benjamin Netanyahu is said to be doing very well after being released from hospital for the second time in a week. Doctors say the leader has been fitted with a pacemaker after being taken to a Tel Aviv hospital on Sunday with heart arrhythmia. Netanyahu was under constant observation in the cardiac ward after receiving the treatment and is set to return to his daily routine shortly. The Israeli Prime Minister was admitted to hospital last weekend and treated for dehydration after not properly protecting himself from a heat wave while on vacation. His latest health scare comes as Israel has plunged into one of its worst political crises in history, sparking months of nationwide protests against Netanyahu's judicial overhaul. A new immigration program for Ukrainians fleeing their war-torn country is in effect. It's allowing those in Canada with family to get permanent resident status. Carolyn Curry de Castillo has the story of a Calgary woman who's been caring for her sister's kids while their mother stayed behind in Ukraine. Seeing her kids play with their cousins, not worrying about missile attacks, is priceless for Tanya Kaliushna. She didn't see children for 10 months and uh, her, her mother's heart was just it was broken. Tanya was separated from her kids for nearly a year after she sent them to stay with her sister Elena in Calgary when the war started in Ukraine. And she gave me her kids. Uh, she when she back to Ukraine, she she said she she didn't know if she will see her kids ever again. They lived in the city of Kriviri, parts of which were flooded after Russian missiles blew up a nearby dam. My city has very big problem with water. My sister summer house underwater completely. It's gone. In November, Tanya decided to come to Canada under the program that allows Ukrainians to stay here for up to three years. The application period expired last week, but now there's a program that permits Ukrainians in Canada with family to receive permanent resident status. I'm very, very 
proud to be Canadian. And Canadians, you are great. Elena's cousin Nadia also came to Canada under the emergency visa program, but her future here is uncertain because cousins are not included in the list of family members that qualify for permanent residency. I, I don't think that everything in travel ends fast, so yes, we need some safe place and hopefully I have a family here. Nadia says it's not an easy decision to stay in Calgary considering most of her family, including her husband, is back in war-torn Dnipro. When you have relatives, some close people to you, it's hard to leave them. Of course, they are waiting that we will come back. Yeah, uh, but um, I'm not sure. Elena is thankful for the support of Calgarians who have helped her family settle in and for the new permanent residency policy. More details will be released closer to when the program launches in October. It will be in place for one year. Carolyn Curry de Castillo, Global News. Coming up on the news hour, the impact of extreme weather, how the U.S. is dealing with a heat wave, including the effects on airlines and travel. Stay with us. Unrelenting heat continues to scorch much of the U.S. with more than 100 million people still under an alert. The extreme temperatures are fueling wildfires and have even forced some airlines to make operational changes. An intense heat dome is fueling flames across the West and making it difficult to fight them. In Washington state, wildfire burned more than 30,000 acres in less than 24 hours. We are under a red flag warning. That's a firefighter's worst nightmare. In San Jose, California, kids cooled off wherever they could with temperatures well above normal. It was hot in the house, so my mom said, let's come outside to get wet. The heat froze travel in Palm Springs. Airline SkyWest confirming it had to cancel a flight to Denver Thursday due to high temperatures. In some cases, airlines are reducing baggage, fuel, and even passenger load to help aircraft operate. In Arizona, Phoenix continues to endure brutal temperatures. Saturday was its 23rd straight day above 110 degrees. It's driving emergency calls for overheating, where crews use ice and cold water to lower body temperatures. We put some of our IVs on ice or cool our IVs so we can cool that internal temperature quicker for those individuals. The heat wave is a global event. In Greece, it's the hottest weekend in 50 years, sparking wildfires that forced tourists to evacuate the island of Rhodes. Even the Acropolis in Athens was closed. The heat is a little bit too much. Too much in too many places as historic heat burns on. Bradley Blackburn, CBS News, New York. Well, Steph is back, and it looks like we all need some rain and we all need cooler temperatures. A temporary improvement on the way. So those clouds pushing in tonight, we're already seeing some showers on Vancouver Island, uh, but we are looking at some significant rainfall coming our way. That'll really pick up in through the noon hour tomorrow, so starting with gray skies and showers. And then we're looking at about 10 to 15 millimeters for your day tomorrow for Metro Vancouver, potentially another 5 to 10 through the overnight, as well as some thunderstorm activity, definitely possible especially through uh, the mountain ranges. So here's a look at the uh, future cast. You can see it's the south coast. It's going to be seeing more of this widespread rain. Anything to the north, it's going to be pockets, thunder showers, hail, even gusty winds. And we are expecting some thunderstorm activity with this non-severe uh, at the time right now, but it does continue the rain into your Tuesday morning. So it's very short-lived. We'll take what we can get. That does push in through the southern interior into Monday night tomorrow. So we're going to be seeing some rainfall. The uh, southern Okinawa 
Okanagan, not going to be getting much trace amounts, but for us here around the south coast, we're looking at about 10 to 15 millimeters for your day tomorrow with the potential for more through the overnight as well as those thunder showers. So here's a look at your forecast. Terrace 19 degrees. We're looking at a serious dip in temperatures from what we've been seeing where we might see that heavy hail as well as gusty winds is right around Prince George, the Caribou area as well. Uh, Southern BC is going to be just below that 30 degree mark. It'll be Monday night that we start to see some showers roll in and around Kamloops, Kelowna area. Uh, Williams Lake has that potential of some of that hail as well coming in through the late afternoon tomorrow. So rain, thunder showers for Vancouver Island expected, not as much in around Victoria, but for us our temperatures are quite low, below seasonal up to 20 degrees towards the valley and again we're expecting 10 to 15 tomorrow, more through the overnight and then we dry out on Tuesday with that sunshine back, but it's nice and comfortable into next week. There you go, Julie. All right, thanks so much, Steph. Well, the results are in on what's been coined Barbenheimer weekend, and it looks like the Barbie movie claimed the top spot. The Warner Brothers movie made a massive $155 million in ticket sales from North American theaters, surpassing the Super Mario Brothers movie as the biggest opening of the year and breaking the first weekend record for a film directed by a woman. Oppenheimer also soared past expectations, taking $80.5 million in sales. When all is settled, this weekend will likely break the top five for biggest box office weekends of all time. It comes as movie theaters look to financially recover from the strain brought on by home streaming services and the pandemic. Well, uh... And they also have air conditioning. Yes, that theaters. is the good that thing. That could be a big part of it. That's a long time to be in, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, in well, both of those movies. Rainy day tomorrow. Get into the okay, theater. There, there you go. go. There you go. So uh, which, one, which one are you going to go see? Uh, my daughter saw the uh, Barbie. Actually, the theater they were at, they had a problem. They didn't see the end of it. So they, they don't know how it ends. <laughs> What? I'm sure it's probably a <laughs> surprise, like a scam. shock ending of some sort, but they got free tickets anyway. <laughs> okay. uh, I'm not sure which one. I'd probably see the other one. All right. Yeah. Now, what about business I'm here? I'm not going to cop to saying I played with Barbie dolls as a kid <laughs> on TV. Uh, we're going to talk a uh, little uh, golf. Brian Harmon had the big lead at the uh, Open Championship in uh, England, and uh, he did not pull a Vanderbilt. He held on and actually was never really challenged. We have highlights of that. And Blue Jay fans are coming back from Seattle happy. They finally got a win today, so we'll have big highlights of their win over the Mariners. Awesome. Thanks, Barry. Well, coming up on the news hour, clues to COVID. New insights into why some people experience no symptoms with the virus when we come back. It's no secret that COVID-19 has made an irreversible impact on the world. Millions of people have died from the virus or were hospitalized while others are dealing with long COVID. But a recent study has revealed why some people contracted the virus and didn't experience a single symptom. Global's Elizabeth Sogalas reports. Nearly 30,000 people were selected for the study between February 2020 and April 2021. They were selected from a bone marrow donor database. The study published in Nature Science Journal on Wednesday found that those who contracted COVID-19 and didn't get sick may have a mutated gene that assists the immune system during early infections. Researchers discovered individuals with a mutated human leukocyte antigen gene are more than twice as likely to not get sick from the virus. And those who had two copies of the gene were more than eight times more likely to remain asymptomatic. However, the gene variant does not stop the virus from entering the body, but it prevents people from developing cold and flu-like symptoms. 
Colin Furness, an infection control epidemiologist, says this proves that asymptomatic people can indeed still spread the COVID-19 virus, but it will help for medical advancement. We know that some people seem to get COVID easily and some people don't. We know that there's got to be a genetic thing, but we've all been focused on what are the predictors of severe disease. Imagine we had a diagnostic test that would say you could get COVID bad or you will never get COVID bad. That would be amazing. Furnace adds asymptomatic individuals aren't invulnerable like Superman. In fact, they cause a huge risk to those around them. He hopes that these findings pave the way for future diagnostic testing and therapeutic advancements. Elizabeth Ogalis, Global News, Montreal. Still to come on Global News Hour, the Lions win their game last night against the Riders. But is there a setback on the horizon? Barry has the details coming up in sports next. Don't miss the Vancouver International Polo Festival. Spend an afternoon at a world-class polo event and a classic car show, all while enjoying the sounds and tastes of Mexico. Just 10 minutes from downtown. VancouverPoloFest.com for info. Stanley Park will be filled with laughter this summer. The Great Outdoors Comedy Festival is back on September 15th and 16th with Canadian comedy icon Russell Peters and Hollywood megastar Kevin Hart as headlining acts. See full lineup online. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event, build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together. Barry is back, and I guess golf is mm -hmm. the first thing you want to yeah, chat about? Yeah, a good, a great day of golf at uh, the British Open. Not necessarily a dramatic, uh, but uh, very impressive from Brian Harmon, for sure. All right, thanks, Julie. A week ago... No one other than Brian Harmon's uh, close family and friends thought he had a chance to win the Open Championship. He had gone six years and 167 tournaments since his last PGA Tour win. But Harmon was clearly the best this week at Royal Liverpool, effectively running away with the Claret Jug on the weekend, winning by an impressive six shots over some of golf's big shots. Finally, some typical British Open weather rained all day, but no wind and reasonably warm, so not miserable conditions. Rory McIlroy made an early run that got the fans excited. Three early birdies for Rory, but he stalled out, finished tied sixth, another top ten in a major, but just couldn't get the putter going consistently. Bit of a shaky start for Harmon, who made bogeys on two and five, saw his lead slip to three shots, but just like yesterday, always answered bogeys with birdies. And no one putted better than him at Royal Liverpool, rolls in the 15-footer at six, and then at seven, does it again, this one from 24 feet. So that five-shot lead back intact never showed any panic, despite the high stakes. Some big names pursuing the Australian Jason Day, just trying to get up and down on the par three ninth. How about up and in for a birdie? Shoots a two under, closes at seven under, ended up tied for second. Sepp Skraka, the Austrian, also in the thick of it, made five birdies on the day, his approach at 16. And this is nicely done. It would lead to a birdie for him. Straka also tied for second at seven under. And the same for Tom Kim, converts the short birdie attempt on 15. John Rahm also finished in that group at minus seven, but no one really came close to challenging Harmon. Local favorite Tommy Fleetwood won under on the day when 
He sailed his tee shot in the back bunker on 17, had all sorts of problems, made a triple bogey. Never really got it going on the weekend. He finished 10th. Brian Harmon just rock solid all day, all week really. Toughest hole on the course, the 14th. All he did was sink a 48-footer to truly salt this away. Really stayed focused, didn't show a lot of emotion all day. Crowd didn't really get behind him until it was apparent he was going to win. Harmon will then finish the job at 18, a final round, one under 70, wins by a half dozen, six strokes, the largest margin of victory at a major since Shane Lowry's win at the Open in 2019. Third career PGA Tour victory, his first since 2017. He'll defend his title next year at Troon in Scotland. Corey Connors finished tied 52nd at plus four. Blue Jays trying to avoid the sweep in Seattle. Another huge crowd, mostly Jays fans in attendance. Just for a win at T-Mobile Park. Six straight wins. Seattle has beaten Toronto in their home stadium. Didn't start well. Mike Ford launches a two-run homer off Alec Manoa to give the Mariners the jump. 2-0 Seattle. And Mariners starter Brian Wu was unhittable early. He will blow the fastball past Brandon Belt for his seventh strikeout. And we're just in the fourth inning. But then this happens Later in the inning, Vladdy Guerrero takes this one to right field just enough to get over the wall for a two-run homer. The Jays' first hit is a two-run shot, ties it 2-2. If you're a Jays fan, though, you've seen way too much of this. Bases loaded for George Springer, but instead of a clutch hit, it's a rally-killing, inning-ending, 1-2-3 double play. So frustrating. Jays hitting just not up to par this year, but they're still in a playoff spot, amazingly enough. But Jays do take the lead. Brandon Belt hits one to right. Teoscar Hernandez times his jump, but off his glove and over for a home run. 3-2 Jays. They'll take that break any day. Mariners tied it, but in the top of the seventh, Santiago Espinal pinch hitting, grounds one past J.P. Crawford at short. Whit Merrifield races around and slides home safely. He's had a good year. Jays back in front. 4-3. Bottom of the ninth, Jordan Romano, the Canadian, in to close it out in front of all those Canadians. But he's in trouble. Runners on second and third, one out, but he strikes out all-star Julio Rodriguez with that wipeout slider. And then he gets Eugenio Suarez to lift a lazy fly ball to left. Dalton Varsho makes the catch, and the Jays escape the weekend with a win. 4-3 the final. Toronto 55-45 and 45 at the 100-game mark. They begin a series in L.A. against the Dodgers tomorrow night. B.C. Lions are going to have to make do without Vernon Adams Jr. for a period of time. How long is yet to be determined? Thankfully, the knee injury Adams Jr. suffered during the Lions' win over the Rough Riders isn't seizing and ending. It usually takes a few days for the swelling to go down before doctors can give an accurate timeline. But the initial feeling is he should be back relatively soon. I don't have a definite update. He's going to have to get looked at further. The initial indication is we're talking about something that's a week or weeks, not it's not season ending or anything like that, but it would be misguided for me to speculate further than that, other than it, it doesn't seem crazy serious, put it that way. As the backup, I mean, you prepare. It's so cliche every week, like the starter, right? But uh, I feel like I truly do. Um, but still, you never want to see the leader of the team go down like that. Um, it sucks. I'm praying for VA. Um, obviously not going to get into that right now. For us to say we're the best defense in the league today, you know, it's something that RP has been around for so long. Rick has been around. You see a lot of guys on the defense, they've been on this team for, for so long, and uh, guys are a lot more hungry. you got a lot more to play for. People got kids now, families, wives, you know, that you got to step up and take care of. You're not, you're not little boys no more. 
I want to be the best in my position. So everybody else pretty sure feels the same way. So that trickles down to us being the best defense. And RP gives us the confidence to feel like we are as well. And they visit Edmonton next Saturday. CFL tonight, Stamps hosting the Red Blacks, both teams two and three. A lot of big plays in this game. Jake Mayer of the Stamps going deep to the rookie Clark Barnes. Catches it in stride, 54-yard touchdown. That's his first CFL TD for the Guelph product. Third-round pick in this past year's draft, 6-3 Stamps. But later in the first, Mayer is picked off by Brandon Dandridge, who returns it for the touchdown. Dandridge's second pick six in as many games did it versus Winnipeg last week. So Ottawa's in front 10-6. Now 17-6 Red Blacks, but... Calgary responds, and Mayer going deep again. This time a fantastic over-the-shoulder catch by Mark and Michelle. That is hard to do. 32-yard touchdown, stamps back within four. And now in the fourth quarter, it's the same combination, and this time Michelle does most of the work. Perfect pass into the seam, and then he is gone. Not going to be caught. 95-yard touchdown pass, and that's the difference right now. Very late in the fourth quarter, 32 28 stamps have the lead. Formula One, Lewis Hamilton starting on the pole for today's Hungarian Grand Prix. Sat ahead of everybody for all of about mm, three seconds. Drag race off the start. Red Bull's Max Verstappen starting alongside Hamilton on the front. Charges hard, slips past Hamilton into the opening corner. That was the race pretty much right there for Verstappen and Red Bull. It's not uh, that Verstappen is dominated, is it? Well, of course he does. He just wins everything, wins his seventh race in a row. He has 10 wins this year in two seconds in 12 races, all won by Red Bull. Those 12 consecutive victories eclipse McLaren's dominant uh, run from 1998. Lando Norris, the Brit, finished second, some 34 seconds behind, but Verstappen just continues to own Formula One as he gets the victory. His teammate uh, Sergio Perez is second in the points race, but a long ways back, 110 points back. Women's World Cup uh, soccer, Netherlands taking on Portugal. Dutch corner kick early first half, and it's Stephanie Vandergrat who heads it in. Now, initially the offside flag was up, but after review, it was determined the offside players did not touch the ball or affect the play, so the goal stands. And the Netherlands wins 1-0. Canada's next game Wednesday, 5 a.m. our time against the Republic of Ireland. Oh, the kids are happy. BC Little League Championships held this weekend. Vancouver's Little Mountain are the champs. They beat Lynn Valley 4-2 in the final. Same core group for Little Mountain that won the Canadians last year. So they're off to Nationals in Regina August 1st to 10th. And if they win that, they'll return to the Little League World Series in Williamsport, Pennsylvania in mid-August. So fun time for the little baseball players. Of course, of <laughs> course. Well, thanks so much, Barry. Well, still to come on Global News, a look at the celebration of light last night. We have some highlights for you when we come back. This program is brought to you by Johnston Meyer Insurance Agencies Group. Visit jmins.com. Global BC Community Hub. Promote your event, Share your story. Build your community. Global BC Community Hub, bringing your worlds together. 
Well, we just talked about Barbenheimer with both the Barbie and Oppenheimer films fighting for top box office spot this weekend. But in Seattle, the battle was more about J. Lore Swift as thousands of fans of both the Toronto Blue Jays and Taylor Swift descended upon the city. Our report is from King 5 News. Busy, busy, busy weekend. It's a weekend where so many fans find themselves in the same spot. We didn't know. It's when we bought the tickets, my mom bought the tickets a while ago, so we didn't know. They didn't know Seattle's Soto neighborhood would be like this. It was a mess. We came through yesterday, the border. It took us like four and a half hours to get here. These fans drove from Vancouver, B.C. Crazy. It's, it's a Blue Jay takeover. Yeah. We're excited. And this couple took the light rail. The train's right there. You hop on it. Easy right. And they come every 10 minutes. You miss one, you wait 10 minutes, you get another one. You're good to go. They did it to avoid pricey parking. Yesterday it was 107 at the garage. I went, oh no, wait a minute. I could buy a lot of stuff for $107. <laughs> More than we paid for the tickets to the game. Not far from the ballpark. Are you guys recording for Taylor's documentary for the Eras Tour? It's a Taylor takeover. Oh man. We're here for Blue Jays. Fans are having a friendly face off. I'm here for Taylor. Because it's baseball. You have, you have to do it. Who cares about baseball? Taylor's in town, right? No. Blue Jays. Hashtag Swift Day for Life. Yeah. I'll trade you. Baseball tickets for Taylor Swift tickets. Anyone no. let me know. Concert gear is for sale, steps away from baseball jerseys on a weekend that's already proving to be memorable. I've lived down here for 18 years and I have not seen this many events with the Bite, Taylor, the Mariners, uh, the Capitol Hill Block Party. Uh, Fremont Seed Fest Festival, it's all going on this weekend. Seattle doesn't know how to do city planning, so they need to talk to Leslie Nope. Thousands are weaving their way through. Sometimes as a fan, you just do what you got to do, right? With all of these events colliding. All about the Blue Jays, but yeah. we do love Taylor. We love Taylor Swift. It has some in this neighborhood hoping. Taylor we Swift. are never, ever, ever, getting back together. together. <laughs> like ever. Aww. If you've ever tried to get out of Seattle after even just a Blue Jay game or a Seahawks game, it, it takes a while. So I can imagine the people who are at the Jays game that <laughs> ended about three hours ago are probably still there. <laughs> yeah, of course. All right, one last look at the weather. Yes, we are going to be seeing a wet day tomorrow. It's been a really long time. We've got lots of rain on the way, most of that coming midday and through the afternoon, evening, and overnight. So get ready, get your rain gear ready, <laughs> cover up the patio furniture for a day, one day, and our right. drop in temperatures. All right, thanks so much. Well, we leave you tonight with some of the highlights of last night's Team Australia display at this year's Celebration of Light. We're back here at 11. Have a great night. For most of us, crime is something we see on the news. We never think it could happen to us until it does. Loved ones are gone, and for the survivors, the scars will never heal. I'm Nancy Hickst, a senior crime reporter for Global News. And on this season of Crime Beat, I'll take you inside some of the most serious crime stories I've covered. Season six of Crime Beat is available now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, and all podcast platforms.